It's good, eh? I, we walked in, and um, we just came from Wellington. Um, Ed and Vic's wedding, so that's really special and um, and really uh, cool. And um, we, I just walked in, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's really love being around. You know, services or, or whatever, but I really love being around my family, and um, even being around people that I that I know and have been around. I'm like, oh man, it's really special to come home. And we landed, and I'm like, man, I love Nelson. You know, like I really do. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, but there are lots of beautiful places. And then I walked in the doors, and um, it's it's not the place that that really was is great. We all know that. But <laughs> but it's the people. And I just looked around. and I thought, man, it's so cool. And I was kind of staring at people worshiping. And <laughs> yeah, I was looking at Jack. I was <laughs> looking at Josh and Ruth. I was just staring at you guys. And I was just so blessed. <laughs> really, now you're gonna be like, man, who's staring at me when I worship? Um, I just so blessed. I was looking over Ellen and Corrine and Wendy, and I was like, this is home. And, and I'm really excited to see what God wants to do. So if, if, you, you know, if your family feel the love, if, you're, if you are like, oh, I'm just here and I'm not sure if I'm family, you can become family. Let's, let's do the journey together. Um, we're excited about that. You know, we got the new person's lunch. They're all just structures and ways of trying to get connection happening. You know, so if you want to connect, um, Come along to that. If you want to connect, come along to Life Groups. There's, um, I think we've got a heartbeat night coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and and we're, Karen and I have a lot on our heart we want to share about devotion and what God is convicting us of in the church. And we are really excited because we feel God is taking us on a journey. And, and to be quite honest with you, my role uh, as like a lead follower, because we're all followers of Christ, but we all have different roles. So my role is like a lead follower, I guess, in this scenario, um, is to obey Christ. So um, we feel God's been talking to us about deeper devotion, and we really believe that Unite Church, uh, you know, I don't want to say too much because God has taken us on this journey. Um, We're really excited that we learn to be devoted fully to Him and devoted to the fellowship of believers, that we can truly look around our group of people um, that we call church and say, I'll, I'll take a bullet for you. And um, we want to go on that journey because that stuff doesn't just happen like this. You do, it grows. We, we, we go on a journey of saying, I really want to be known and know. I really want to love and be loved. And so we're excited to share more of that. Um, it, it's felt in, in the middle of his life is both incredibly hard and incredibly um, fulfilling. You know, like there's always this tension between Really, what is the good and bad, or at any our perception of it at least? And so, for me, what holding the, the really the really um, ugly bits of life and hard bits of life and difficult elements of life, while also holding the promises of God, the hope of God, the joy of God. And so, we feel like we're standing this year um, with with real uh, excitement from heaven for what God is birthing here at Unite Church in this little slice of the kingdom of God, while also holding, um, you know, in many ways, also gritting our teeth as we walk into that, uh, knowing that, that it's not all rainbows and um, flowers. Uh, so I want to talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's, that's not my message, but that is a good message. There you go. Um, you have your father's ring. So I want to give context to that because I talked a couple of weeks ago about the prodigal son. And um, I mentioned the moment 
and I think it's actually right here. So uh, the sun, I'm actually going to read the whole thing because it's a really cool thing, and you can never go wrong reading the Bible. Here's what I'm going to do. As I read, I will try to slow down so you can take it in. And what I want you to, you know, here's a suggestion, I guess, is you can close your eyes and just consider what the Holy Spirit would want to tell you as I read. So there you go. Because otherwise, if you're like me, it just goes through and you're like, I wasn't even really listening. What? But if you close your eyes and consider, it's something I learned. I was at Josh and at Ruth's wedding and I, I was like, <laughs> sounds a bit silly, but I'm reading the Bible more than I ever have in my life at the moment. And the more you read the Bible, the more you fall in love with Jesus. And the more you read the Bible, the more you fall in love with the Bible. And the more you read the Bible, the more you rely on it. So sometimes the best uh, thing to, I can't read the Bible, is just start reading the Bible. And so when your passages were read out, I was just like, oh, I'm just, it's almost like I'm sucking in life, breathing in life as they were reading. And that hasn't always happened. Sometimes in particularly wedding ceremonies, you're just like, oh, I wasn't really listening, you know? Um, so, so close your eyes if you want, or just focus in, and I'm going to share the story of the prodigal son, and then we're going to get into the message. Jesus continued. So Jesus is sharing. This is Luke 15, verse 11. It's not on here. I only have the final bit, so, so you're going to have to listen. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, I'm just going to read that again. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
So they began to celebrate. It's one of my favorite parts of Scripture. It's a beautiful look at um, the character and nature of Father God. And I don't know if you do this, but I read it again, and there's like a million other things that kind of pop out to me. I'm a tangent guy, so I think God just speaks in tangents and ideas. So I'm like, oh, man, that's interesting. Oh, man, he, he was a... He worked for someone else. I wonder if that's when like, we go, God, and we end up working for the enemy. Like, man, I was just thinking about, okay, I've got to move on because i got one thing to say, not a million. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always got a million things to say. I just shouldn't always say them. <laughs> so we talked about the robe, the ring, and the sam- sandals. The robe being the righteousness of Christ, which we wear. The ring being the authority of Christ. And the sandals being the gospel sandals of peace, the readiness of Christ. I want to talk about the ring. Brian uh, mentioned the ring. Whenever I keep saying the ring, I just can't help thinking of like Lord of the Rings, the one ring to rule them all. (laughs) But I want to talk about it because I really feel God wants to remind us who we are in Him. That Christ wants to remind us who we are in Him, so that we would shine and walk out the purposes that He has for us, so that our life would be poured out in the most beautiful love offering, so that we would truly be blessed knowing that God is with us, God is for us, God is leading us, God is healing us, God is making a difference through us and with us. So the the challenge I feel for the son was what was he going to do the next day? He comes with his baggage. He comes with a life lived outside of his father's house. He comes with a life lived second rate, but on his own terms. And then he comes back to the homestead, back to his father's house, his father's business. And, And because he came to his senses, that life on his own terms was destroying and killing him, whereas life on the father's terms is truly life, life to the full. He came to his senses because he realized, I'm not really living. And pride isn't as great as I thought it was. You know, I thought it would be good to make all my own decisions and be my own person and listen to nobody. Turns out, I wasn't made for that. I want to go back to my father's house. He's got abundance. He's got blessing. He's got the best in mind for me. He's where I truly belong. And then he goes back thinking he's going to get a role as a servant, you know, I've given up sonship, I'm never going to have that. And the father ignores him and gives him sonship. The son didn't prove himself. The son wasn't, didn't look like a good Christian, right? The son wasn't doing all the right things. He just turned up. What does that say about you with God? What do you need to come to Him with? What do I need to come to Him with? Maybe for the first time, 
and saying, I want you to follow my life. I want you to lead my life. Well, not follow it, but I guess you'll be everywhere. I want you to lead my life. <clears throat> or maybe for the billionth time, lead me again, God. Lead me again, God. Lead me again, God. What do we need to come with? C- credentials? You know, morality? I can't stand people. <laughs> I can't stand, or maybe I sat in a nicer way. Um, I don't understand. <laughs> Less of a jerk and more of a nice person. Um, I can't, I don't, I was going to go backwards. Um, I, don't, I don't understand people that, that, that are like, we want to be moral, but don't want God. It's actually the worst part <laughs> of being a Christian. <laughs> like, but you can't do it. Whenever I read the Bible, I'm left going, well, this is impossible. I need you, God. I can't do this. I can't figure this out. This isn't going to happen because I've somehow come up with the solution or I've become good enough on my own. You know, the world says, oh, you're enough, girlfriend. You know, the Instagram says, you're, girlfriend, you're enough. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. What a lie. We are enough because Christ is enough and we surrender into him. We are not enough on our own. Have you tried to be enough on your own? I have. I keep trying it. Even, uh, it's a bit silly, really. I have this kind of like goldfish memory when it comes to my faith sometimes. I don't know if you relate. Continuing to go, oh my gosh, I have to keep coming to my senses and remembering I'm a child of God and not a slave to fear, a slave to life, a slave to anything else. So the challenge was the son had to come back and own his sonship. He had a responsibility to hear what the father was saying and agree with it and then walk in it. And there's a bit in the middle of there and it's the tension of, oh yeah, I agree it and now I'm walking in it. (laughs) It's the tension of that, isn't it? The constant tension. I'm always talking about tension because I feel like this is where we live. We, We live on earth, but we belong to heaven. This is not our home. Let us continually be reminded before we feel like we're settling down. Let us never settle down. Like as Christians. Like if you're not a Christian in the room, you do, you do what you want. But, but to those with faith, it's like we're here to, we're moving through. We've set up camp, sure. But you don't set up camp in Kaiteriteri or Totoranui. And you don't set up camp and go, well, this is my life now. <laughs> you don't go. For your holiday camp, this is me. We live here now. I, I think some people might, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We know we're there for a amount of time, and then we go on to where we belong. We belong with Christ in eternity. So right now we live in tension. We know we're blessed to be children of God. We know that God is doing a work in us. We know that he truly has our best in mind. And so we tussle with lies and truth. We contend for our faith. And in the contention, we find joy. And in the, in the contention, we find peace. Because we're continually tussling and, and surrendering. Tussling and surrendering. I don't know about you, but surrender is just not that easy. You have to keep the act of it, sure, when you've come to your senses. 
continuing to go, that's right. I'm living from more lies. I didn't see that. I see that I'm going to surrender. Thank God for God who reminds us of things in our life that aren't of Him. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me that this was not the way forward. Getting caught up in licentiousness or legalism is not the way forward. Getting caught up in having to do things. I mean, the whole of Galatians is the book on saying, man, you started really well. You were like, well, I'm just free in the, in the grace of God. I'm going to live by the Spirit. And then you started adding to the gospel. You started saying, oh, you've got to make sure you keep circumcision. You've got to make sure you do that. You've got to make sure. How many of us start well and get caught up? Arguably, I want to say all of us, but I'll just say many of us, just in case you really don't want to put yourself in that camp. Because don't you hate it when pastors do that? These massive generalizations, you're like, what's now I'm not listening, you know. Um, I, want to talk to, I want to talk about Galatians a little bit because it, it speaks to the process in the son's head. Galatians 4, 1 to 7 talks into the difference between a slave and a son, a servant and a son. And I, want, I just want to read it. What I am saying is that as long as an heir, that's the son, the heir to the throne, it's not William anymore, is it? Or Henry, one of them got kicked out. Yeah, Harry, Henry, who's Henry. He's going to be the one. The heir is, as long as the heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. That's interesting. Although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. So the day after the son got the robe, the ring and the sandals, the day after he had to, instead of listening to his own thoughts bang on, he had to, he had to click into the spirit. He had to click into the He had to listen to his father. He had to contend. Man, you say that I'm a son again and I've got authority and I've got righteousness and I've got, I've got a purpose. But like yesterday, I came to you smelly, unproven, pretty awful really. Let's not trust our own shamefulness over God's truth. It's really sad and dangerous when we argue with God and our argument is our shamefulness. So what I'm saying is God says, I want you to do this. I've called you to be this. I'm going to bring you out of this. And we go, but you don't know. Well, he does know, you know, but I'm shameful, but I'm too quiet, but I'm too loud, but I'm too this, but I'm too that. And God said, I know all of these things, but this isn't about what you could do. This is about what I'm going to do. I mean, this is not a, a new truth to any of us. 
Like, if you've been in church for like more than five seconds, you've probably heard this message. Then why do we keep going to, going to each other and going to God? So when someone says, man, you, man, you're a Christian and God's with you, and we just go, oh, but, 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 but. What does the gospel say? You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> no, you're not actually allowed to do that. You know, the Bible says that 1 Corinthians 6, our bodies are not our own. We were bought at a price. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I want to move into, okay, these thoughts. This is one of those I've got to my points at the end of the message, isn't it? Um, <laughs> thanks, I need that. Um, so one, we need to accept it. We need to accept it. So when God comes and says, you've got authority, we, we go, yeah, I don't feel like I do. It doesn't look like I do. <laughs> I've never had it before. But okay, God, if you say so. We can't afford to have a thought in our mind about us that he does not have in his mind about us. I didn't come up with that. It was Bill Johnson. But next time I'm going to quote myself because I said it now. So that's... That's how you do it if you want kudos in the church world, I guess. Check this out. The child and the slave lived the same until the time had come for the child to take the inheritance promised. That's interesting, isn't it? One's a slave, one's a child, Galatians says, but one has all the property under their name and the other one is just working. Owns nothing. But they're doing the same thing. Just because you feel like you're doing the same in the world with people that don't know God doesn't mean you don't own the whole property. I feel like C.S. Lewis uh, talked about us being like secret agents in the world. And I love that so much because that's what we're made to do. While the world is under uh, the, the, the power of the enemy, we just we bring light. We freak the enemy out. We, we, we stand with the power of Christ. We intimidate intimidation. Fear is afraid of us. So the child and the slave lived the same until the time had come for the child to take the inheritance promised. They lived the same, but they weren't the same. They lived the same for a while, but their identities were different. Their futures were different. The invisible part inside of them was different. Same scenario, different substance. Not only did they accept, and not only do we accept the ring, we also, we, we get used to the ring. We walk in the tension. I was talking to someone because I took on a, a job last year at uh, the School of Music, and um, I was feeling really anxious about it. I've done like, I've done about 12 years of um, teaching drums, and, but, but there was this, and they asked me to teach, and I thought, that's cool. And then they gave me a list of things they wanted me to do, and I thought, that's not me. I was so anxious about it. And I remember talking to someone, they're like, oh, you've got imposter syndrome. I'm like, that's it. That's what I feel. Like, you're expecting this, and I don't feel like I can measure up to that. I know I can do the job well, and I know I can produce what you want, but I, f I feel like I'm being someone I'm not. I feel like, and I think that's what happens with God. God says, you are a, a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And we go, oh, cool. Thanks for that label, but I don't feel like it. I actually feel like an imposter. So we come to services where the church gathers together or we read the Bible and we go, like, I feel like an imposter reading this. 
Well, thank God it's not by our efforts, it's by His Spirit. I've got to do that message one day, but use your walls as prayers. Anything that comes against you, awesome, that's sweet. Use it as a prayer to God. Everything that gets in your way, use it as a prayer to God. Everything that is like quicksand that you sink into and get stuck in, awesome, that's actually really awesome. Use it as a prayer. Maybe, maybe can I say, instead of complaining the whole time about the problem in your life, thank God that this is enabling you to look beyond yourself and seek God. Thank God for the pig pits. <laughs> thank God for the hungry times. Like I know that feels really like mean to say. I get it. So I'll say it to myself. Elijah, instead of complaining all the time when things don't go your way, use them as a prayer, a hook line. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for that, Elijah. That was good. And I know that's hard, but it's, it's, it's almost like shifts our perspective. Sweet. Okay. And do you know what we should also do? Help each other out with that. So when we're talking with other people of faith, our brothers and sisters, and they're going on and on. Now, there is a time to just be there with people. I'm not speaking to every scenario. I really want to make that clear. It's like when a preacher preaches that this is not to every scenario. There are a million different scenarios. I, I don't have time. But for some scenarios, if you've heard over and over and over and over again, sometimes you go, hey, you know what? I've heard this. Get over yourself. Grow up a bit. Use it as a prayer. Like, we need to tell each other. I'm sure we could say it nicer than that. I've heard this a lot. <laughs> I can't think of a nice way to say it. Um, stop complaining. <laughs> you know what? The spirit that is, in us is different than the world. And I want to go real quickly to the end right now. I was going to talk about utilizing the ring, uh, running with purpose. But I want to say there's one thing. It's Romans 5, 3 to 5. And uh, Lady Becky, could you just come up? That'd be great. I want to talk about suffering. Because I feel like there are two types of suffering. One is suffering that leads to hope, and one is suffering that leads to bitterness. A child of God sounds different to someone who is not a child of God. There's something about them that, that brings a different story, a different flavor. Obviously, it's the spirit inside of us. But sometimes we're not very helpful with one another as a church. We just pat on the back all the time. And sometimes it's, it's enough to say, hey, you know, this doesn't sound like God. This doesn't feel like faith. And so I could be wrong, but I just want to say, maybe lean into God a bit more. Can I pray for you? Can we do this together? I'm no better than you. I complain too. But let our sound be different. Do you know, and I'm going to say this with a loving heart. So you know when I say that, you know it's going to be a little bit. Christians don't sound poor. Christians don't sound like complainers. Christians don't sound like they're forever underneath something. Yes, we are pressed, but we're not crushed. There's a difference. Christians get tired. They get weary. They get, they get wounded. They get hurt. But they don't sound like offense. They don't sound like unforgiveness. If you've been holding on to unforgiveness for, for years, get over yourself. Forgive. Like honestly, how can you call yourself a Christian and still be like, I don't forgive them? That was too bad. It was too much. I've had many times like this. 
I was at the altar call recently and someone said to me, stop being so sensitive. And I was like, that's offensive. You know, so, Obviously, there's context to that. You know, there's context to that. It can be really mean. And I'm not advocating just going and being jerks to one another. But I feel God just wants to speak to us a bit. So if you actually come to the line of saying, I want to forgive, but I can't forgive. That's different to saying, I won't forgive and I I, I can't forgive and I won't forgive. One is... One puts you into a prayer mode. The other one just kind of puts you into a complaining mode. And it comes out of you and it comes out of me. And it doesn't feel nice. But there's one thing to be a thinker and think for yourself. And we're all called to do that. There's another to be cynical. Like sometimes the way we talk about the ch- God's church and God cries because he's sad that we're like ripping out his bride. It's like if you said to someone, I really like your face, but you've got really fat arms. You know, like, I really like your face, but you've got chicken legs. You know, like, like that's really mean, eh, right? Would you say that's nice to that person or mean? Then why on earth do we as Christians think it's really great to look in the face of our Savior and then rip out the church? The, the, the Bible says in no uncertain terms that the church is the body of Christ. In Ephesians, it goes on to say, and I am not kidding you, the church is the fullness of Christ. Jesus himself said, you're going to do greater things than I did. Sometimes when people say, we're too young, I'm like, Jesus was 30 when he started his ministry. I mean, like, people can say what they want. We just got to know what God's saying to us. But let's be the church. So the thing I'm saying in those last five minutes is just trying to kind of pull us together a bit. You will, you will find yourself... My dad said to me once, he can tell um, the faith journey of an old person, and I'm going to say like, just an older person at the end of their life, in the last 10, 20 years of their life, you can tell their faith journey for, by the person that they are, because he's like, you meet someone that's 20, that's a little bit judgmental, they're all judgmental when they're 80. You meet someone that's 20, that's a little bit negative, oh my gosh, they're just like, it just bleeds out of them. You meet someone that's 20, that's got just a flicker in their eye, man, they just got love and joy. It grows. So just a warning to the young, it grows. Choose God. This is not, I have to do anything. I hope you're not hearing, I have to make sure I'm not complaining or do that. No, no, no. It's I just want to go to God whenever it hits on me. This is a really dumb example of something that's far more profound than this, but and so I don't want to minimize the really big, massive things that God puts in our lives. Really don't hear me doing that. But when I was in the airplane coming back, I was, I was really, really like motion sickness. I get sick real easy. And I was just like, there was quite a few dry reaches. And I was like, oh, this is awful. And, and then I felt God just say, well, use it as a prayer. And so I just, in my head, was singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I was going to sing it, but we went in the same case. That's right. Um, can flood the place and fill this atmosphere. And like my whole, just I felt the presence of God. And I was just like, ah. Oh. doesn't always happen like this, but this morning it did. And I was just like, ah. Oh. That's right, God, you're everywhere. That's right, you're available. That's right, you're with me. That's right, when there's a wall, when, there, when there's a wall, there's a way. When there's a pit, there's a way. When there's a trap, there's a way. 
Thank God for the traps in our life. Thank God for the walls in our life. Thank God for the pits in our life. Because when we fall in them, when we can't go beyond them, when we feel stuck in them, we use them as prayers. And we see the glorious might of God. And our faith rises up because we see that although I couldn't do it, God can do it. Faith untested is dead. Thank God for the testing that brings my faith to life. And although I hate it, I also love you, God. And I look back and I see your faithfulness. And I see you doing a work in me. And Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, Not only so, not only do we glory in God and His salvation and His grace, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The difference between those who suffer to get bitter and those that suffer to get joy is the Holy Spirit, is Jesus Christ. If you find yourself living in bitterness, and honestly, I could speak to myself a million times over on this. Bitterness has been my best friend more times than I would like to admit in front of a group of people. You know? The guy was right. I have to not be so sensitive. It was annoying, but it was was right. So we change our posture. We seek Him out. We help each other out. Because sometimes we don't know what we're saying. Sometimes we don't know what we come across as. And if relationship is the economy of heaven, which I believe it is, because God seems to just put the enormous amount of worth on it. Then how we relate is the space between me and you. The space between me and you. And so therefore, how we come across is important. And so helping each other in grace, it's not always going to be nice, but we keep the conversation going. We don't withdraw. We learn how to say, I'm sorry. We learn how to say, I don't understand. We learn how to say, I would like to understand. I think I'm missing you right now. Can I hear what, who, how you're really coming across? Because I think we're missing each other. And the space between, hey, you're coming across real, like, like it's been a month and you're still just kind of like complaining about that thing. Like you got cut off in a car park and you're still complaining. Like grow up. Karen said to me once, and it was a real big thing actually, but it had been like a year and she's like, I'm so sick of you talking about that, that loss. She says, can you stop talking about it? Like I get, she knows I need, a, I need a verbally process. She's like, I know you need it, but it's been a year. Seriously. And I actually needed that. Because we think being honest to ourselves means just staying in it. I can't be honest myself. Someone did a really big injustice to me many years ago and to people I love. And God said, you need to go and you need to forgive. I was like, no way. You're wrong, God. (laughs) Oops, really bad way to start a conversation with God. But anyway, I did reconnect. And I kind of gave up my pride and my injustice. And it was an injustice. It wasn't, it was massive. But like God was teaching me, you actually can't even really call yourself a Christian and hold on to unforgiveness. And the Bible has such heavy words on unforgiveness that I know that sounds like the most intense thing in the world. I think it's because it is. (laughs) How can you expect the forgiveness of the Father when you hold back forgiveness from other people? So when you find yourself in that scenario, you say, Jesus, I can't do this, but I want to do it. I can't do it. It's just impossible. And do you know what? It is impossible for you. 
you can't do it and I can't do it and we need Jesus. And then we go, okay, God, and we just keep needing Jesus. But do you know who else we need, guys? The fellowship of believers. We need to get people around me. Can I meet with you every week? Can we catch up? Can we do journey together? Can we get a bit closer together? I give you, someone said to me last year, do you give me permission to speak into some areas of your life? You never say yes to this. It's always dangerous. But I said yes. <laughs> and um, then the next week, he was telling me all these things in my life. And I'm like, oh, man, you're obviously storing them up. <laughs> but it was actually a place, you know, that doesn't happen to everyone, but you've got to take a step of trust. There might be no one here you trust. Take a step somewhere. I get it. Don't trust someone fully. That's silly. Take a step somewhere. Okay. We're done. Thank you, Jesus. What I want to do real quickly, if you, you're hearing this, right? If you're the fellowship of believers, man, if you're like me, you're hearing this and going, Holy Spirit, I need you today. If you're like me and you hear this, you're like, I need a miracle in that relationship. I need a miracle in that. I need a miracle in here, 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 here. You know, I need a bunch of miracles. Thank God that God is a God of miracles. I'm going to use up all of them. You know? Just on me. You know? um, but if you don't know God or you feel far from God and you're hearing this language like a foreign language, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you may need to respond to Jesus again. Because that unforgiveness will twist your view of God. And you'll actually be worshipping someone who's not God. And that's, that's sad. So if that's you and you want to connect to God, you want to surrender again, you want to make a decision to follow Him. I know about Him. He's been around, but I want to follow Him. I want to come to my senses, come back home and go to my Father's house. Put on the robe, the ring and the sandals. I am a child of God. So we're going to have that moment. What's going to happen is you're all going to close your eyes. And if that's you, you're going to put your hand up and say, yeah, pray with me. We're going to have a prayer up here. We'll pray it together. The Holy Spirit will fill you as you pray. The grace of God is in this room. And in the end, we've got some care team members around, amazing care team. And they'll just come and say, hey, do you want to fill a card? And you might say, no, thanks. And that's cool. And then um, we'll finish off. So if that's you, why don't you just close your eyes? And if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, Elijah, you're speaking to my heart. Maybe there's a tension in your heart right now and you're going, yeah, I need to respond to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe because I've been so caught in unforgiveness that I've limited you, God, and lost you in the process. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, yep, pray for me. Pray with me. If you want to follow God for the first time or you want to to say, yep, God, I, I turn back to you. I come to my senses. a little bit longer if that's you you're saying yep why'd you pray for me awesome guys why don't you open your eyes we're going to pray this prayer together so if you didn't raise your hand but you're saying this is me why don't we pray this prayer and as you pray this prayer the love of God is going to fill your heart let's pray together dear Jesus thank you for creating me and for loving me even when I've gone my own way I realize I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person. 
I accept your free gift of salvation. Please help me to grow as a Christian. Amen.